you are freer than you think. It's like the ultimate form of freedom. You expound upon that freedom to develop on this planet. True freedom comes from within. It's the ability. Thinking to myself, I can help you or I can destroy you. Man is a two-time felon. I work really hard and I've been, a, I've been a life learner. When things are feeling tough, let yourself be surprised. The world favors risk-taking. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Today on the show, we are joined by Bianca Miller-Cole and Byron Cole. Their new book is The Business Survival Kit, Your No BS Guide to Success. I thought it was a really, really impressive book. I love the practicality throughout case studies, tools, techniques. And what I, what I particularly liked about it was that I don't even think that you necessarily have to be an entrepreneur to read it. This could be someone uh, starting out a career, you know, as tools for handling anxiety, for success, for, for all kinds in there. Um, so if I start with you, Bianca, you wrote chapter one. And from my own experience with entrepreneurialism, one of the most challenging parts for me was to find the right idea. Um, I tried a load of things. So I'd love to know what are some of the keys, tools, or lessons that you learned about coming up with a business idea that you were really passionate about, but that can also scale? Great question. And absolutely, chapter one is all about finding your purpose. And I think that's one of the hardest things most people face. We have mentees coming to us all the time saying, I've got 10 ideas. Which one do I go for? You know, which one do I focus on? And I think most people, the first thing they think is business is about making money, right? And of course, we would hope that if we're going to start a business, that money is a factor. But in reality, we have to think about something we're passionate about, something we actually want to do and dedicate our time to, because you are going to spend so many hours doing it. So you're right, whether you're an entrepreneur or intrapreneur, if you're in a career or you're starting a business, either way, you need to be passionate because the majority of your life is going to be focused on this thing, right? So one of the things I think I did personally was um, I, my first business was personal branding. And I realized by being in the corporate space that I absolutely loved um, helping people identify their purpose and their goal and helping them to really signpost a way to achieving that goal. And so when I had to look at it for myself, I thought, okay, what am I passionate about? I love helping people. I love being able to provide clear, actionable, tangible steps in order to make a goal a reality. Um, and so I decided to start a business helping people understand their personal brand. And so that was me finding my purpose. My purpose is helping people identify their goals and make it a reality. And then I created a business around that, that meant I could have a sustainable business that would enable me to leave my job, you know, focus on the brand full time, and of course, actually help people at the same time. For me, that was like a match made in heaven. I love it. And I love how you mentioned about the making money part. Um, I've got many, many friends. I spoke to many people on the show that have started businesses kind of with the idea of just making money and not actually thinking about a passion or a mission. Do you think that it's actually a bad idea to do that? Like it's kind of counterintuitive to just solely focus on the profits and not actually what you're doing day to day? Uh, yeah, I do. I do think so. I think profit's important. Don't get me wrong. Mm. I think profit's essential, making money is essential in business. Even if it's a social enterprise, you know, we always say to our mentees, you're starting a charity or social enterprise, you have a responsibility to make money to make it sustainable. Absolutely. However, if you have this business that's thriving and making loads of money, but you don't like it, you don't enjoy it, you don't like the people you work with, you don't like what you're doing, I think it becomes very difficult and, and, and slightly maybe soul-destroying. I feel like there's a lot of taboos around money. 
you know, it's kind of uh, a bit socially taboo to say how much money you're making or you yeah, kind of feel guilty for making money. What is a healthy mindset to think about money? Money is an important factor because you have to be sustainable. You know, you want to make sure that your business is sustainable, not just for you, but for your customers. Sometimes people have this amazing idea that's going to help loads of people, but they have no sustainability. So for me, I'm always motivated by money. Yes. Yeah. Many people say it's, some people are, are clouded a little bit by the judgment of, you know, it's all about the money. And like Bianca said, it's not always about the money. Sometimes it's about your purpose, sometimes it's about your passion. But money is absolutely important. And for me, it definitely motivates me because I want to be able to provide financial freedom and opportunities for my friends and my family. So having a healthy mindset, money mindset to me is vital got to have it you can't provide opportunities for others you can't be a leader you can't do certain things without the ability and capacity that money gives you i remember when my partner and me we started this podcast i remember at the start people were saying why are you doing that you know you're gonna sound stupid you're gonna do all this go and play a sport go and do all these other things you know and it was funny because years later those kind of same people were the ones saying oh how hard is it to make a podcast or how do you get guests on and all these other things? Um, what are some of the ways that at the start, when we've got this idea that we can kind of nurture it so that people around us don't shatter those initial ideas? Great question. I think it's, it's fair to say there are the naysayers and the yaysayers, as we say in the mm. book, right? They're the people who are like, you could do it, go and do it. And the people are like, no, no, why would you do that? Go and do something else, stay in your job, your career is fine. And look, the reality is we need a, we probably need a balance of both in life because sometimes the naysayers push you forward. I had an uncle, unfortunately, who when I decided to start my business sent me an email and the email said, this business will never work. And this is, and I don't think he even illustrated why to be honest, just said this email, this business is not gonna work. Stay in your job, you've got a great job in the city, what are you doing, right? And to be honest, that pushed me forward. I thought, well, if you think I can't do it, let me show you that I can and that I'm going to make a success of this. But then conversely, sometimes the naysayers have good points to make. They, yeah. might, they might be able to identify something you've not previously considered that you do need to be considerate of. Um, and so it's important, I think, to have that balance, but also just to have that focus, in business, not everyone's going to agree with you. When I left my job and said I'm going to start a business, they said to me, are you sure about this? Stay in this wonderful job that we have here for you. Here's a promotion, right? And that's going to happen. But you have to say, actually, this is something I really want to do. And for me, I have this, um, sounds a bit morbid, but I have this thing, a deathbed philosophy, right? Which is, <laughs> I'm on my deathbed. Am I going to look back and think, what if? What if I tried that? What would have happened? Would I have liked it? Would I have been successful? Instead, I want to say, I tried it, it didn't work, or I tried it and it was amazing. And at least you can reflect, you can learn from that obstacle and that failure, as opposed to when thinking, what if? And just to add to that, um, I think it's important to just recognize that not everyone is going to share your vision. Not everyone is going to be able to share the dreams that you have. So what often happens is, they don't share those visions and the dreams that you have. You have to be the leader. You have to be in the driving seat. And then when it becomes successful, what happens? You have all the support from everybody, right? So I think it's just so important to recognize that, look, not everyone's going to share the vision. 
Not everyone's going to understand what you're trying to achieve and how you're trying to achieve it. Yes, the idea in the beginning stages may not be the finished article. It may not be perfect. And as you go through the journey, you make some uh, adjustments, some changes. You know, you, you change the way you format the email to invite guests to the podcast. So you change the way. And then once you find the right route, you've got the formula and happy days. Now they want to come on the podcast, you know. Or they so, want to ask you how to make their own podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> Right. So, so it, 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 it's, it's, it's the journey. You have to, and not, and, and I think you're, you have to be fearful. If everybody always agrees with your ideas, then you have to be like, what? Yeah. I mean, I come up with something new almost every day, and I, I say, tell Bianca, and then she goes, she goes and crushes my my dream, and then I'm like, <laughs> okay. but you know, but then on, on the flip side of that, I, I went to a Monday with this. this big idea and then she was like she crushed one part I was like I love that bit but then she made it better so then it was like okay now we're gonna together take it like we could yeah so yeah. yes it wasn't perfect in my mind it was fantastic and then she was like no we don't really want to do that because this is the impact of that I was like yeah right but if we do it like this and I was like yeah fantastic even better so you have to get that you have to have your your board your personal board call it book where you have people that are able to critique you have people that are able to give you real advice um and not everyone is going to be a fan or supporter and, and just to, another another exact story i i had this idea i have a friend who is a is a, is a tech millionaire and um i'm like okay i want to get into tech and he said look give me some ideas what are you thinking and let's see what we can do so i came up with what, an idea i was like this is gonna work let me use him as a soundboard gave him a call and I said, look, this is what I'm thinking to do. This is what I think is a great idea. And he goes, and he's, and I planned it, prepped it. And he goes, okay, yeah, yeah. That one's, it's not the one by, but you know, come back with another one. And I was crushed. <laughs> I was like, and it, it didn't, he just said it in such a cool, calm manner. And I was like, Prepared. I scheduled a call in. I had everything ready in my mind. What was I was going to talk about? How it was beneficial? How it can make millions and millions? And then he was like, "Okay, Byron, uh, no, that was that's not the one." <laughs> and that was and it. Look, and that's the importance of having a good network, right? And strong mentors, and being able to lean on people who have the experience and expertise, who have done that before. Like Byron and I are very well versed in business, but we've not made a, a big tech brand, right? right? So you go to someone who has. And I think that is what, you know, finding your purpose, but also finding the right networking circle, which we talk about in the book, that's why it is so important. You met, you give a good example, Byron, of how uh, you had an idea and kind of Bianca, she said, oh, you know, maybe try this or try this. And you kind of iterated that way. I feel like for a lot of people uh, that maybe don't have someone as well-versed in business as Bianca, or maybe they've got a jealous friend who maybe subconsciously doesn't want them to succeed. Yeah. What are some of the best ways to create a, uh, as you as you said, a board, a, a board, uh, a, you know, people that you can trust that can get constructive advice from about your idea? Uh, what's the kind of best way to go about that, of finding good advice from people that will give you honest feedback? Sure. So I would say, first of all, look at always having a mentor. Um, someone who's been in the game, someone who has the experience, they are out there, they are available. But <laughs> there are mentors everywhere in the world that have expertise and knowledge in the field that you want to get into. So I would say, why go through the pain when somebody already has the answer? Why, why would I try and 
just try and do a podcast tomorrow based on what I've seen rather than pick up the phone and give you a call and say, hey, can you give me some help or advice on this? And even if you say, Byron, my time is valuable, uh, I'm going to charge you X. Do you know how much time and pain I'm going to save not buying the wrong equipment, not editing it incorrectly, not... I know how to now ask guests for interviews, what they look for, what they want. I'm going to save myself so much mistakes and I'll give myself the best chance of success. And we are luckily within our mentoring community, we have a great, we have a WhatsApp group and soon Facebook group of people that help each other. They are each other's soundboards. So they have accountability partners and also they also critique each other's business. So some of them are not at the, the top of their game but they still have the same interest of, I want you to succeed. I want to be able to help you succeed. And I want you to be able to help me succeed. So they are just some of the things that I would say. So get yourself a mentor. Even if you're, if you're sort of mentor, get yourself a coach who can pull things out of you and you can use as a soundboard, but definitely a mentor. If they're out there uh, or get a consultant, somebody who, who's an expert in the field. They may not be mentoring, but they may be able to consult you. And it just saves you so much time, pain, energy, and stops you from failing. Or if you're going to fail, you fail faster and you move on. And hopefully, um, I, I can't remember where I stole this quote from. Uh, actually, it was, one of, it was our previous book launch. The, the guy who used this quote, he said, you know, fail fast and fail cheap. Uh, it was at RBS. And I was like, that is it's a great quote. And it's so true. If you're going to fail, fail fast and fail cheap. So I can start again, right? So yeah. I can't quote. It's a great quote. <laughs> <laughs> and I think in one of the chapters in the book, we talk about the personal career board and just the fact that every organization that is successful has a board of directors, right? They have a support system that helps them to achieve their commercial goals and personal goals. And in the same way, I think each individual needs to think about who their board is, who is their circle? Is their circle a circle that is going to support them in achieving those goals? Or is it something that's not going to be able to help them? And I think that's an important fact. It doesn't mean you need to get rid of your friends as such. They might just be your social friends. But you need to have a clear circle of people who are supportive in helping you get to where you're, you're going, where you want to go. I love that. And, and kind of going back to, to what you said, Byron, I think that, you know, you're very right in the sense that I think that people often think I need to reinvent the wheel you know, that no one has ever done what I've done before me, that I need to create this new path. But as you say, the chances are someone has already done what you wanted to do and you can kind of study and then put your own unique selling point on that, right? Absolutely. I, and I always say that I love a market that already exists. Why do I want <laughs> to go and recreate a new customer that doesn't exist? It, they already have a need. Let me just enter the market, even if it's a crowded market. I can enter the market. I just need to make sure that my marketing is on point. Our vision is on point. And I don't need to go and create something that no one wants. Because I always say, when you have to re-educate a customer, it's very expensive. If you have to say, this is how you used to do it. But if you do it like this, then uh, it's going to be better. They're like, okay. But they're not used to it. It now takes a lot more time to convince them, a lot more energy, and a lot more money, which always, which is always available to you. So, yeah, I absolutely agree with you. I'd love to ask uh, you, Bianca, because I feel like the various ventures that I've been involved in, I had many, many ideas. Some of them, you know, took off at the start. Some of them didn't. Some of them, you know, were, were just really bad ideas. But I think that the main thing which I did was that I kind of walked away at the right time from, from some of them. What are some of the best ways to know if your idea is just not going anywhere and you should take that time energy and put it into something else? 
That's, that's a great question uh, and it's something we cover because I think that is a problem. For a lot of people, you have this, you know, burning desire to create something. You put all your energy and effort into it and then it doesn't work and you just keep going and the, the cycle continues and you waste more time and more money. And I think it is very difficult to take, your way, take yourself away from that and detach from it. But what I would say is really look at the, um, the cycle of that business so far. What have you done? Where is it going? How long have you been trying to push that same idea or agenda? And why is it not landing? And I think that is an important uh, point to go through, a thought process, because then you realize actually it's not landing because maybe it's the price, maybe it's the customer, maybe it's the way I'm delivering that product, maybe it's the marketing, or maybe people just don't want it. And, and it's so funny because I remember when I went through this process with Bianca Miller London, my hosiery brand, and I thought, am I creating a solution to a problem that only exists for me? And I think a lot of people do that, right? Like, this is a problem. Okay, yeah, it might be a problem, but is it only a problem for you or is it only a problem for a niche sector of people who actually are only gonna spend a certain amount on that? How do we find those people? And so then it becomes a moment of refining that process and thinking, actually, is there a market? Can I, can I access that market? Well, actually, do I need to cut my losses and create a new innovation, create a new product, a new idea, a new service that really does cater to that market by listening to the feedback. Feedback is a gift. Sometimes we get negative feedback and we're like, oh, that's crushing, right? I don't want to hear that feedback. I only want to hear the good stuff. But that negative feedback often is what helps you to make a service or product better. And we need that. Right. And, and it's really interesting you say that, talking about kind of iterating as you go, because I was reading the other day that Instagram uh, actually started off as like a, a phone book. It started off as a contact book, but people would have pictures of their contacts in. And then people really liked the pictures, but not the, the numbers section. Like, I've already got a phone book. And then this obviously turned into that app. So that kind of gives a good example there of talking about how asking yourself, why isn't this working? And then iterate in as you go. And even now, Instagram's evolving again. It's going from right. being a photo-based app to a video-based app. Right. And so that's a clear illustration that you could have a, a firm hold in the market. Someone else would come along and do something different and you realize you could innovate and you could take more of the market or you could change what you offer. And so it's, it's, it is that process of being willing to evolve, but also being willing to say, this isn't working. Yeah, and just, just to add to that, um, sometimes in business, uh, you just don't know what you don't know. Uh, so, you know, you actually have a really good idea, you actually have a really good product, you have a really good service, um, but you just do not know how to um, raise capital. We know that sometimes having money in the bank is vital to be able to help you do marketing and get that exposure or whatever it may be. Uh, sometimes you just don't know how to do various different things, you just don't have the knowledge. So again, seeking expert advice um, sometimes is, is, is required. Because you just don't know what you just don't know. Um, and sometimes I think that we go far too long with ideas that perhaps need to be shelved and binned. <laughs> and we waste far too much money because it is a passion. So you have to have those checkpoints that, as Bianca mentioned, like, okay, is it time to let this go? Is there a timeline I need to give myself to reach a particular target or goal? Um, and then you look at, when we talk about, you know, even like goal setting, like who do I need to have in this business to make it happen? And, and I yeah, I think you raise a really good point for it because um, just in terms of the networking is uh, I think that we can kind of get wrapped up in our own ideas, our own ego. We think that we don't need anyone else. You know, <laughs> we can do this by myself. 
how important is, as you say, networking and getting the, the board of personal board of directors being in, in your guys' journey? Yeah, absolutely. So I definitely think that, um, you know, they always tell us, right, your, your, your network is your network, right? And um, I think your network is vital to you. It's so important because without your network, it makes life a lot harder. So by having the right people in your network can open doors, can get you to where you need to get to faster, can help you support your business, etc. Because of our network, we are here with you today. Right. So it's, it's so important about who is being your cheerleaders, who is opening the doors to you, who's providing opportunities and helping you to get to where you want to get to. Now, in the book, we talk about networking for success and um, nobody likes networking. Right. You know, the, the practice. Some, OK, some, some, I think I think it's more about the results of networking as opposed to the networking itself. We love the thrill of of going to great places, having a drink, having some food, getting ready, having some interesting, but no one likes, okay, you're in a room, you're over here, they're over there. There's, there's a bit of an awkwardness to it, right? But the, the benefits of networking is so important. When in the book, we talk about the process on how to engage, how to network, how to do it effectively, how to win during networking and, and not just being a, not just being a parasite and just draining them for all their blood. We're actually talking about, you know, reciprocal networking we're talking about you know how can you add value how can you um be of benefit and value to that person so that of course you know it's a great relationship working relationship but i absolutely love networking i have some amazing networking stories um and i love building my network and, and bianca and i you know are very very big believers of network networking and in the early stages even of, of bianca's journey she was going out a lot by herself networking i had my I was starting my, my, my company at the time. Um, I had an estate agency and, and I was focusing on my time. And she was going to these networking events by herself. Three nights a week. Three times a week. A week. Yeah. And yeah, I always admire that hustle, right? Because who wants to go networking by themselves? You know, first of all, in an environment that, you know, as a, as a young black female by herself, it's not easy, right? And I always admire that hustle. But at the end of the day, some of the, one of her first clients was got from the result of networking. So there, are, there is results, proof in the pudding. And if you do it right, you can be very successful. And also it helps you with, when we go back to purpose and, and stopping the pain. You don't have to go through the pain because you, you've met somebody and you're like, hey, uh, I can help you with this. Or meet this person, et cetera, et cetera. Right, right. What would be some of the uh, best practices for networking and what would be some of the worst? Okay, fine. So one of the worst I would say is don't be a car dealer. So what I mean by a car dealer is sometimes people go to networking events and you'll see this. They'll go, they'll go hey, why don't you take my card? Hey, why don't you take my card? I don't even know what you do. Now, there, there is some particular examples that that not that's not 100 always true but there there is some examples where for example you know who somebody is you haven't had the chance to to meet them yet and you're about to leave and you say and then you introduce yourself and you then you say hi my name's byron sorry i didn't get the chance to get to have a conversation with you i know that you're doing amazing things with your podcast but um i'm just about to leave can we quickly exchange contact details and you take each other's contact details and you go and you move on that's okay that's not quite card dealing but there are some exemptions that you can use the second point is make sure you're prepared 
So make sure you have your elevator pitch ready. Now I'm gonna go to the boss for this. Bianca, 20 seconds. Give us, oh, you got 23 seconds. Right? 23 seconds. 20, so give us the nice. elevator pitch. Because we're in the lift, I pressed level number four and I'm ready to go. So an elevator pitch as an example would be, hi, I'm Bianca Miller-Cole, founder and director of The B Group. I worked for the world's largest management technology consultancy firm for approximately 912.5 days before deciding to leave my career to follow my passion. I now help individuals understand and identify their personal brand to help them to achieve their career and business goals. So obviously in a, in a networking setting, you know, if we need to be fast, we can, and if we need to be long, but have, being prepared, having that elevator pitch ready, is so important and vital because we know sometimes you go to network events and they're talking about all kinds of things that are not relevant. Being precise, being clear with clarity, but also another thing, good thing is just just knowing what you want from a networking event. Why are you actually networking? You know, what is your purpose? Are you trying to meet the various types of people? What's your actual purpose? Another great tool that you can use is, is the simple follow up. So when we're networking, we meet people, we get ten business cards and. We plan on emailing them all the next day and life gets in the way and then you don't email everybody and then you forget four days later who was who and who does what. Two things I always do. First of all, on the back of a business card, I always say to the person, do you mind if I write down uh, some notes on your card? And like, no. Well, I might just write down who they are, what they do. I'm like, okay, podcast, right? And that just triggers my brain, triggers my mind so that I can send a message later. The other thing I like to do, apart from writing on the cards, is I just send you a text or WhatsApp. Because what I want to do, I want to make sure that we have that rapport and that level of conversation that is, so email is, is, is a bit further away, a bit formal. We've already met each other. I think the email is too formal at this stage. And I don't want to have to email you if I need something. I want to, I want to be able to text you on WhatsApp because it's personal. So on the way home, or when I get home at 10, 11 o'clock after the networking event, I'll send you a message. Or first thing in the morning. And I'll send you a message. Hey, it was great to meet you yesterday, today. Um, please find my LinkedIn uh, URL here. It'd be great to connect with you. Here are the things that I promised, or here are the things that I need, or whatever it may be. Uh, and I look forward to connecting with you in the near future. Please save my number, Byron. So now when I need you in three months' time, well, I've got a referral for you in three months' time. I just get you on the phone. I say, hey, it's Byron. You've got me saved already. You know whether you want to answer or not. If your answer is a great thing and you've answered it, I'll, I'll give you a referral introduction or I'll ask you for something. And it's a lot more, there's a lot more barriers broken down so that we can now have a conversation, engage and do business, whether it be whichever way that goes. I love that, man. I love that. Um, <laughs> I, I would love to ask uh, you, Bianca, because in the book, one part that I really uh, enjoyed was when you were talking about imposter syndrome. And I feel like, so many people out there, I mean, there's like a voice inside there which will stop them from taking action. It will stop them from building a business or approaching someone at a bar or, or even if they've had success, they'll tell them, oh, you will just lucky. Um, what are some of the best ways to overcome imposter syndrome? Great question. And I think everyone suffers from it. 
I think that we all like to pretend, and especially there's a perception that it's a female-dominated space, right? Mm. But men too it's have imposter syndrome, right? They suffer from it. They don't, maybe they don't talk about it as much. Maybe it's not as accepted. But I think we all need to be more open about it. And there are times, regardless of what level you're at, that I'm sure that people experience this, this issue of imposter syndrome. And so we have in the book uh, a bit of a, an exercise to help you ask yourself certain questions. And fundamentally, the, the purpose of those questions is for you to realize that you're not an imposter. Yeah that you deserve to be where you are, that you have worked very hard for it, that you have taken the necessary steps and that you've not gotten that promotion, that opportunity or started that business by accident. It is as a result of your hard work, your determination, your tenacity and so on. And so I think it's so important to reprogram your thinking to realize that actually you deserve to be where you are and you need to be confident about that position and to reassure you, because really it is about reassuring yourself. Often, there isn't someone out there saying to you, you're an imposter, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> it's an internal feeling, yeah. it's a mindset. And so it's going through those steps to make yourself feel you're not an imposter. Right, right. Uh, you know, and, and you raise a good point, like there's no one following you around whispering, you know, you're an imposter in your year. Why, why do we get that for you? And I, I don't understand. Why, why does that come and strike us down? So just, just to add to that, to kind of jump in on this imposter syndrome, the thing I always like to to think about uh, when we talk about imposter syndrome is that we're not alone, right? Mm. And, and most people don't even recognize that they suffer from imposter syndrome. And it, for me, imposter syndrome is quite a new conversation and a new topic. And then it's like, when you actually look at the, the science behind the, the feelings of imposter syndrome, nearly everybody's had it and experienced it. And then when you look at some of the greats, some of the people that we, we respect, um, you know, Michelle Obama publicly, publicly talks about uh, imposter syndrome and there are so many greats and legends and people that are our leaders in our in our in our forget community but the world that have experienced imposter syndrome so the thing i always like to say is first of all i'm not alone we're not alone everybody suffers from imposter syndrome now let's acknowledge the exact reasons why we're feeling this way what is it about uh you know, being in it, why are we feeling this way? So understanding that is very important. And then you, as Bianca mentioned, using some of the tools and the exercises in the book, it actually makes you think about how on a scale, um, how intense your imposter syndrome is. You know, I think we scored, we scored from one to five. And if you get over 40, it's intense imposter syndrome, right? Um, so definitely using that tool is a, is, a, is a great way to kind of recognize it. But then it just makes you think about it. It says like one of the things we say is your, is your achievements, um, by accident or because of your hard work? You know, have you achieved the, 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 what you've achieved because of your hard work or because of time? Like, and it makes you realize you, you're achieving some of the things you've achieved because, you, because mm. of you. It wasn't an accident. Mm. It wasn't because of somebody else. Somebody else didn't give you this opportunity. It's because of the hard work. And again, some of the tools that we use within that, within that chapter makes you then recognize that, hey, actually, you know what? I'm deserving of this. <laughs> but then next week imposter syndrome sets in again but this is the life first of all accept it it's part of life part of the journey and then we talk about the tools and how to overcome it i love it and, and kind of more generally i feel like one thing that uh, a lot of people that see the entrepreneurial uh instagram pages they see the cars they see the the money the the lifestyle but what they don't see is the hard work they don't see the late nights they don't see the uncertainty the imposter syndrome how can we best manage the ups and downs, the anxieties, the failures, the setbacks 
how can we uh, manage all of that in our journey and keep moving forward? It, it's such a difficult one because I think that we all are to blame. <laughs> We're all to blame for it, for showing a social media filtered version of what life is like. And you know, there's nothing wrong with that as such. We always want to put our best foot forward. We want to show our great times and so on. But how often do entrepreneurs really talk about the, the fear, the failure, the sleepless nights, the, the anxiety, the stress, but not often, right? And this is why we wrote this book because actually it's a, it's a conversation we probably should have a little bit more. Um, but how do we overcome it? I think it is about having that clearly defined goal. In chapter two, when Brian was focused on goal setting, by having that goal ahead of you and saying, okay, this is what I want to achieve, this is when I want to achieve it by, I think that helps you to continue on that kind of roller coaster that we have in business, right? And we say in chapter 10, you know, that you're on a ride, a ride of your life. You get off that roller coaster and you think, oh, why did I do that? And you think, let me do it again, right? And that's what business is like sometimes. It's a roller coaster of emotions and you will have peaks and troughs and there'll be times where you're celebrating intensely and times when things are not going so well. And it's about understanding that that is the cycle and that you have to think of, okay, in the down times, what can I do to pick myself back up? What, what you know, is this, has this cycle happened before? Do you start to realize, as I have in, in some of my businesses, that actually there are particular months that are not very busy. Don't panic in those months. Just use that time to strategize and to work on new things that you're ready for the upward months when it gets busy again. And I think it's understanding the cycle of the business, but also accepting that business is a roller coaster and that you need to focus on your goals and just keep pursuing them in order to get there. And just, just to add to that, um, I think stress and anxiety is an unfortunate reality of, uh, of life. Forget entrepreneurship. It's an, uh, as a reality of life or your career, whatever it is that you choose to do, right? Mm. And in the book, we talk about uh, an experience that we had um, where we had major stress and anxiety for an event that we planned. And if I, if I look at how we overcome that and how we overcome, we talk about this in the book, it's about uh, the assessment. So you assess what's happening. Then you make a plan to overcome the, the problem, the stress, the anxiety, and then you execute it, right? So that, that's the, 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 the way that you overcome most things. You, you assess, you plan, and you execute. Um, and stress, anxiety, is just a part of life. It's part of the journey. Accept it and move forward. I love it, man. I, I would love to, to kind of go back to you, Bianca, because I feel like particularly with the last year that we've had, obviously, with the coronavirus pandemic, uh, I feel like, you know, a lot of people were kind of struggling. The economy kind of come to a crash and halt. If we've got a business that we really believe in, but we're going through really tough times, what should we be telling ourselves in those, in those hardest moments? It... <sighs> I remember some of those hard moments from my own perspective. I remember when uh, everything started happening with the pandemic and I had a variety of different talks and client engagements booked. And suddenly, at first, it seemed like everything was okay. Nothing was really happening. Then the emails started coming in. Then the phones started coming in. You know, Bianca, sorry, we're going to have to cancel. Bianca, we're going to have to reschedule. We're going to have to postpone. We don't know when we're going to postpone until. And this was thousands of thousands, tens of thousands of pounds, suddenly in about a week and a half of bookings that I'd lost, right? Oh. I remember that moment thinking, is this it? <laughs> like, is this, is this, you know, is this, is this the end? Is this, how long is this gonna last for? You know, is there enough cash flow to pay all the staff and all the other bits and pieces I need to do? 
And I think much like Brian just said, accept, assess, what's the last two that you said? Execute. Plan and execute, right? I accepted that this was currently my reality. Those bookings were being cancelled. Then I had to assess the reality. Okay, so why are they being cancelled? They're being cancelled because they were in-person bookings. People couldn't do things in person anymore because of the virus and because of the new rules and keeping their staff safe. Okay, well, if they can't do it in person, what do I need to do? Okay, I need to convert to doing it online. All right, so I've assessed the problem. Now I need to make a plan. So I then made a plan of action. I went out to all my clients and said, okay, we can't do it in person. I can deliver this online. Why don't you try it? Let's try this, this, and this. This is how we're going to make it interactive. This is how we're going to help them, so on and so forth. And then they said, yes, right? Then I executed it. And one of them, they said, okay, we'll, we'll try it out, Bianca. We'll bring the whole team to watch you while you're in front of these delegates these, these, and see if we think you'd be like it, right? They loved it. And then they continued to put more online events. And so the, the, the scope of the business changed to being able to provide everything online. And I think in that moment, you have to be resilient enough to think, have your moment. I won't lie to you. I won't pretend I wasn't thinking, oh, you know, speak to what we're going to do, right? I don't know if you're going to swear on this podcast, so I gave you the, <laughs> the alternative version there. Um, and, but you have your moment and then, you know, do whatever you need to do, cry, run, whatever you need to do to get yourself back into, you know, into, into uh, you know, formation and then make a plan and think, how do I overcome this? What, can, what steps can I take to limit the risk for my clients and to provide an alternative service that is going to make this viable? I really love that. I really love that. I would, I would love to ask you guys, uh, because you guys are, are married, you're both successful entrepreneurs. Uh, I, I'm personally very bad at balance. You know, I kind of tend to go all in on one thing, whether it's a business or a relationship or a project. And I find that I'm very bad at juggling a lot of things. Um, what are some of the ways that we can build a great life, build a great business, but also kind of not let everything else kind of go on fire? What, or, or is it necessary? Is that going to happen? I, I don't know. What, what are some of the ways to go about it? <laughs> Yes, it is, it is necessary to find some level of balance. But you know what I think was interesting about balance? People assume balance means equilibrium. And I don't think that's the case. I think balance is like a scale, right? It's, it's tipping, it's moving constantly. And there are times in business and in our relationship where I know Byron's doing a new business deal or something and at the balance tips slightly where I have less of his time. I was going to say less important, but that's a lie. I have less <laughs> of his time, right? And I know that he's super stressed and therefore the business is taking a priority. Then there'll be a time where now the business is doing great. Is everything's in line? Is staff are doing it? It's fine. Then I know I have a bit more time. And the same goes for me. And I think in a relationship, that clarity of goals together is so important. Now in chapter two, we talk about goal setting. We are talking about it from an individual perspective, but we also then talk about it from a relationship perspective. If you both create your own individual goals, then you come together and you both know your goals, you know, you know each other's goals, you can then work together to ensure that those goals become a reality together. And I think that then relies on us, you know, from a romantic perspective to understand the ebbs and flows of our relationship when it comes to the business or career. And I know that we know there are times when we have lots of time together, there are times when we might not have as much time, there are times of intense stress, there are times when there's less stress. And we both, I think, work really well to be flexible around each other's needs in that time. What was it like writing the book together? Easy. 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 Wow. 
Honestly, yeah. <laughs> do you know, so, so we, we have a process which we go through that works really well for us. Um, and it's really easy. And, and we just share each other's ideas. And I think what we do very well in, in our business is we, we always say it's a one-man job. So, okay, if we want to talk about, let's just say we want to talk about goal setting. Okay, it's a one-man job. Who's the expert in this particular field? Okay, I'm, I have more experience on that. So I'm going to put together a blog and then now let's share the ideas. What do you, what's your views on it? What's your take on it? Okay, cool. So now we add your sprinkle. So it's a joint effort, but one person deals with it, the majority of it. And many things in life is a, is a, is a one-man job, uh, whether that's the relationship, whether that's the you know, work, it doesn't need two people to be able to get this done, to get it done, right? So um, whether that's things around the house or whatever, look, just, this is my job, just don't worry about it. I've got it done, I'll take care of it. And I think we, we do that well. So to answer your question, like writing the book is just really painless. <laughs> Even when it comes down to emails, you may have seen from the, the, the CC, I, I just don't respond. It's not because I'm being rude. Um, it's because Bianca's taking care of it. Right? And I know she's taking care of it because then what ends up happening is a duplicate task. I'm responding, she's responding. I'm adding no value to my email response, but she's taking care of it. She's representing that email chain. And my responsibility is to turn up, turn up and be here and be prepared and be ready. Yeah. Cool, that's fine. And then there may be another email chain where you don't hear from Bianca. And, and, and that is all that we do. Whoever's the, the first to pick up on it, that's their responsibility. And if somebody's too busy, you know, we reckon we'll just say, hey, uh, I need to get back to this person. Do you mind jumping in? Mm. And that's how we just manage it. And it just flows seamlessly. I want to add, though, because you asked about romance. I don't want it to sound like it's all business. Like we, we spend. Oh, we have a great we, time. We have a great time together. And I think the, the other thing about balance is, is finding out what each other enjoys and doing those things together. Right. Finding the time to say, OK, I love food. I'm a big foodie. Let's go and experience different restaurants. Right. Um, uh, and, and just finding those activities that you, you love to do jointly. So you do enjoy that romantic time. It's not just business and making sure that you're maintaining the relationship um, from a romantic perspective, as well as, you know, our, our entrepreneurial desires also being fulfilled. I love it. I love it. I've got a couple of final questions for you guys, so I'll open the floor to, to both of you for these. So my first one would be um, just a general question. What would your advice be, your best advice be for an entrepreneur? The, the, I, was, I thought you were going to ask a different question. So did I. <laughs> <laughs> because, you know, often when people say, what would your best advice be, then they say something like, to your younger self or 10 <laughs> years ago. So as it, you just threw me. I threw you in the last one. <laughs> <laughs> the best advice to a, a current entrepreneur or an aspiring entrepreneur? Uh, let's go for both. I'd be interested in uh, both. I'd be interested in both. Okay, so um, an aspiring entrepreneur, I would say just take the first steps and do it. Take action on your dreams. We love the 1% theory. Sometimes you just have to do something every single day to move your dream, move your software. Just take action. If I can add to that for an aspiring entrepreneur, is speak to somebody who has the experience and knowledge in the industry. It doesn't have to be a mentor. It could be a consultant. It could be somebody that you just reached out to on LinkedIn and you say, hey, I'm just about to start my podcast. Uh, I would love to buy your coffee and just understand about how you started and understand your journey. 
and different people will respond differently, but it's a numbers game. There's lots of people who do various things in the industry, but that knowledge that they can give you on a five minute conversation can save you so much time, so much pain, so much energy. Um, do you want to ask the current entrepreneur one? No, go for it. You seem like you want to roll. Go for it. Uh, okay. Uh, so I'll just, you know, go yeah, yeah. and look in the brain, see what's in there, and I'm just giving you an answer. Uh, and, and I guess for people who are currently entrepreneurs, um, I think it's more about for current entrepreneurs is what's, what's the end goal? What, what, what do we really want to achieve? When we're talking about entrepreneurship, sometimes we're like, we just want to make loads of money. And then you realize, okay, how much money do you really need to be able to, to, to have yeah. the financial freedom that you need? It's a legacy question, you know, isn't it? So I think it's about purpose. You know, yeah. what, what is it, why is it we're really doing this? What is it we're really trying to achieve? And are we working in the business or on the business? Because I think sometimes as entrepreneurs, we get so focused on uh, running the business, we become a product of the business, and then we never have that financial freedom or the, the time freedom that we, we desire because without us, there is no business. If we're sick, there is no business. If we're dead, there is no business, etc. etc. So, if, if our goal is the legacy or whatever it may be, and if we're an integral part of the business, then that whole scale plan goes out the window right mm. there's, there's no scalability so now we're just talking about growth so understanding growth and scale is so important but again it's just about your purpose like what is it that we want to achieve as, a, as entrepreneurs why is it we want to achieve it do we have the right people in there to help us achieve it do we have the right vision um and again even as entrepreneurs you've got to have the right coaches we're starting new digital products and we've got a team um uh, of people making sure that the products we're producing even though we're used to teaching it on a monthly basis for years and years, they're making sure that all of the learning outcomes are perfect. All of the words we're saying is perfect. All of the digital is perfect. Like, you know, so, so that's the, the long to answer to a, to a short question. Yes, sorry. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. My last question for you, we sign off all our podcasts with this before I ask you guys to signpost our audience to wherever you'd like them. Last question for you guys today is, what makes a life worth living? That is a really good question. <laughs> uh, what uh, makes a life worth living? Uh, well, I guess I'll just yeah, yeah, I know your answer. Uh, what's my answer? Well, I think you have a cl- you have a very clear vision in terms of how you want to your goal of making a certain number of millionaires or and so on. That's like your yeah, goal. Yeah, yes. okay. thank That's you. She's the one. Yes. So for me, uh, a couple of things. So, you know, my mantra I go by is I live to inspire. Right? So, so life worth living for me is seeing my mentee, seeing the people around me win, thrive. I don't want to just see people survive. I want to see them thrive and I want to see them winning. So that goes to my friends, my family, my mentee. So for me, this comes to, this to answer a question, this is all about happiness. This is all about fulfillment. So I want to be, I, for me, if I'm not happy, then what's the point? If I'm not fulfilling my dreams, what's the point? So by seeing all the people around me winning, achieving their dreams, etc., that's what makes me happy. And in order for me to do that, sometimes it means that I've got to have certain knowledge. I've got to have certain experiences to be able to pave the way for them, to be able to give them what they need. So that is my answer to your question. And I guess for me, it's, it's similar. So a lot of my businesses are based on me helping people to achieve their goals, understanding their dreams and making it a reality. And I think for me, that is a primary motivation. Um, and that 
I love mentoring people and seeing their business dreams become a reality. That's just, that just makes me so happy. Or, or even in a corporate space, helping coaching employees to, to get their career goals um, and to get those promotions. So that's one of the things. But from a personal kind of selfish perspective, for me, what makes a life worth living is the time I get to spend and the experiences I get to have with my friends and family. And I think that I work so hard that to create a lifestyle that enables me to be able to travel, to be able to take time off, to be able to have days off, to go to the cinema, to go for dinner, to treat my friends and family where I can. So for me, that's what makes my life worth living. I love it. I love it. Where can these guys connect with you and what would you love our audience to check out? Great question. I think uh, they can connect with us on www.selfmadebook.uk. So that is the home of entrepreneurship. So both our books are on there, as well as all of our mentoring programs um, and, and everything you kind of need to connect with us on. And then Brian and I, were both on Instagram. We're both on LinkedIn. So you can find us there just by typing in our names. And uh, yeah. Mr. B, self-made on Instagram. And Bianca Millet Official on Instagram. We will link everything below. Guys, thank you so, so much for coming on the show. And if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button. It was a real pleasure. Thank you thank so you. much.